In 2 Corinthians, moving on, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, for though we walk as human beings, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not man-made. They're not... But, but mighty, they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and high, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When I look over here, I don't think that you guys need it more. It's just a habit. So I don't want you thinking that that's what I'm doing, okay? So don't everybody look at, at the earls over and go, boy, he must really think they need this. Because that's just, that's just my habit. It's not just me. <clears throat> so even though we walk around in the flesh, we humans, listen to me closely. There's an invisible war. That's going on. It's a spiritual thing. But I don't want you to worry. Because if you're a Christian, God has equipped us to win the war. <clears throat> Look at the terms that Paul uses in the scripture here. He talks about weapons. He talks about warfare. And he talks about uh, strongholds. It's as if Paul was transporting us onto the front lines of a battlefield. And the reason he did that is because there is a battle that's taking place even right now as I speak, and it's in your mind. Everybody say, it's in my mind. <clears throat> the devil wants to make your mind his battlefield. And we allow things like fear and jealousy and anger. We allow things like depression to get a hold of our minds. We allow worry. We allow it in. These are strongholds that it talks about in Scripture, a type of mental bondage. Every bondage in our lives, whether it be an eating problem or it be a drinking problem or a drug problem starts, listen to me very closely, it starts with a thought. It's a thought problem first. I hope, how many know to head something off, you head it off at the past. It's a thought problem first. Listen to me, you change your thoughts, you change your life. Be careful what you think. Your thoughts run your life, good or bad. <clears throat> guys, the guys that are in here, maybe even some of the gals, you know this in football, the team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. 
How many know what the line of scrimmage is? All you guys in here. Please, please raise your hand. I, I want to make sure this is hitting somewhere. All right. That's that, that line, right? That This is all for the ladies, guys. I know you know this already. But that's that line where they're all down in front of it, right? And they're, they're facing each other. And that's the line of scrimmage. All right. Now, there's the quarterback, and there's receivers, and there's you know, uh, running backs and all that kind of stuff, but they're not on the line of scrimmage most of the time. They're not fighting the battle so that it, they protect what's happening, and the quarterback can drop back or he pass, or he can dump it off, and they can block. That's the line of scrimmage up there, all right? So just for all the, the ladies in here, because I know, I know all the guys know that already. <clears throat> Now get this, your mind is the line of scrimmage in life. Your mind, your mind is the line of scrimmage in life. And whoever controls the line of scrimmage controls your life. The devil wants your mind. You probably didn't know that. If he can control your mind, he can control you. The Bible says that for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus came to set your mind free. Everybody said amen. amen. But for some of you, you've allowed these strongholds in your mind. And they come from different experiences that you've had in life, like you know, you, you let the you, through through disappointments in life, or through through rejection in, in your lifetime, or through some failures in your lifetime, and they've been there so long now. <clears throat> we've developed this sort of defeatist mindset. You following me? Ah, thank you, Jesus. And it's and and it's hard to comprehend that you could ever find yourself, listen to me, back on top again. Um, like that, that you could ever uh, feel good again, that you could ever feel, ever uh, be the lender and not the borrower again. Like, like, like you could ever um, be free from the scars or the reproach uh, in your life or the shame that's in your past. And Satan don't care what it is anxiety, uh, uh, whatever the thing is today, discouragement, jealousy. He just wants to keep you, your mind occupied on that. He wants you to focus on that. He wants you to center in. He wants you to be fixated on the problem. As long as he can keep you from growing a relationship with God. As long as he can keep you from praying to your Savior, as long as he can keep you from coming to the church, be careful of your thoughts. The scripture said, bring every thought captive. Now listen, thoughts that you don't take captive will take you captive. <clears throat> The word captivity here means at spear point. I just want you to get that in your mind. It means take it by force. And it's up to us to take control of our thoughts. 
were the gatekeepers of our mind. And when a thought comes against what God says, take out that spear, all right? I want you to get that spear out and I want you to put it right up against the neck of that thought, all right? And I want you to say, look, you're not taking me captive. I'm taking you captive. We've got to learn that the devil attacks you on your turf. He makes your mind his battlefield. And today's title is The Battlefield. You see, that's what's so crazy about 9-11. It happened right under our noses. On our turf. We We were caught unaware and we didn't even see it coming. How many can remember that day? And we weren't prepared for that kind of warfare. The same thing can happen in your life because there are unseen forces that are all around us today. And as I mentioned, it's an invisible war that we're in. So what kind of equipment? What kind of equipment is needed to fight the invisible enemy? And that's what I'm gonna talk about a little bit today. The Bible is very, very clear about all of this in Ephesians chapter six. Go there, read it in your leisure time or just make time. Paul teaches us about fighting the battle against discouragement. He teaches us about fighting the battle against uh, depression and doubt and despair and and, and difficulties in our life. Every one of those first start in our mind. And unless you're prepared you'll be taken out by Satan. Just like the Twin Towers were on 9-11. Even though I'm gonna jump into, down a little bit into verse 12 of chapter six in Ephesians, I just wanna start off with saying, we need to know who we're not fighting first. All right? Many of of you think that you're, your enemy is the other people in your life. Many of you think that, you know, oh gosh, the economy today, you know, uh, the, our culture. Who's responsible for all this mess in our culture? Some would say it's the Democrats. Some would say it's the Republicans. And you'd be wrong. Some would say it's the gay agenda or it's, it's the, the atheist or it's the right-wing politics or it's, or it's the media. And all of you, in every case, would be wrong. They are not. They are not. They are not the real enemy. Look really close to verse 12. It's a bit cryptic, I know. You, you kind of have to read between the lines just a little bit. Here it is. We are not fighting against people. I was being facetious. It's pretty plain, isn't it? We're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in heavenly places. And right about now, some of you are tuning me out because you think that's getting weird. But all I'm telling you is, is that I ain't, these aren't my words. These are God's words. 
So if you're going to get angry, at least be angry at the right thing. Just a quick note. That's all it was. But now I'm going to hop back up to verse 10 so that we can realize this next point, and that is you're not alone in this fight. Ephesians 6.10, it says, Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Be strong. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and the tricks of the devil. He's saying, you're not alone. I've given you just what you need, he's saying. Everything, everything's available to you. So stand firm against anything that the enemy throws at you. Can you imagine an NFL team? I'm on football today. <clears throat> Can you imagine an NFL team? They're all hyped up underneath the stage. This is before the game, and they're like talking, and they got that big, you know, motivational speeches and all that kind of happening. And they're super excited, and they'll put your hand in, and you know all that kind of stuff that we do and boost. And they're excited. By the time they're now, they got to, they got to go through that tunnel, right? They got to go through the tunnel of the, of the auditorium or the what do you call it, the stadium? And, and they got to go through the tunnel. And then all of a sudden, they get to the they get to the opening of the tunnel, and there's the bright lights, and people are everywhere. And they stand there, and they're able to look out, and they say, "Oh my goodness, look who are the giants out there." with all of the pads and the helmets on because here they stand with no pads and no helmets. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, like, well, you could probably almost do that with the Detroit Lions, but I'm kidding, Kyler. I'm kidding. I saw that jersey, and I had to do it. I had to do it. They're ready to do battle and they ain't got nothing on. Absolutely no pads, no helmets. You know what that is? It's a sign of stupidity or it's a sign that you're surrendering already. You've given up because you ain't going against that. And I hate to tell you this, but we were born right smack dab in the middle of a different kind of a field. And here we are. You got your pads on. You got your helmet on. It's a battlefield. And it ain't no game. It's, it's not something that you ask for. But you need to be aware. It's an unseen war that's going on between good and evil. Light and darkness. And right now, right now, where we are today, God allows Satan to exist so people like you and I have a choice. Listen to me. It's not real love unless you can choose not to love somebody. But here's the deal. In this battle, Satan can't destroy God. So when he can't hurt someone, what's the next best thing that he does? 
He goes after the people that God loves. He goes after the people that he loves. He goes after his children. You want to hurt me, man? You, oh, you can hit me. You can, do, you can do whatever you want to me, but man, it, don't mess with my kids. Don't mess with my grandkids. That's pain. That's pain. Here's the bottom line. Satan uses you. Listen, be very close. He uses you to try to get to God. So Paul says, so to speak, get your pads on. Get your helmet on. Wake up. You're not on your own here. Put on what God's given you to fight this thing. And notice the verse says, stand firm against all of the strategies and the tricks of the devil. I'm going to tell you something. The devil is real. He ain't no joke. Some people laugh and kid about Satan and all that. I'll tell you something. Satan hates you. He hates you so much, he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your finances. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your life. And notice it says he has strategies and tricks. Satan, he ain't no stupid idiot. No, man, like, like maybe you make him out to be or think about him. Very subtle. I mean, he's, he, he's strategic. He's, 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 he's smart. He's way smarter than you. That's right. Don't don't try to outsmart Satan. And he's not in the least afraid of you. You're no match for Satan. That's right. You trying to take on Satan's like you taking your BB gun after a tank. The good news is, as a child of God, the Bible says in 1 John, greater is he. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. That's the word of God. Satan is not afraid of you, but if you're a Christian, he's afraid of who's in you. Oh, that's worth it. That's worth it. You can't beat him, but God can. So, if we're not alone, what, was, what has God given us then to fight with? <clears throat> and I want to start looking at this in verse 13. It says, use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So that after the battle you will still be standing firm. firm. We probably understand this a little bit better if we know that Paul's writing this while he's in prison. And not only is he in prison, but he's probably the highest profile prisoner in town. And the Roman Empire here uh, is, is huge at this time. At this particular time, it's spread over Europe and all of Asia together. And Paul, taken as a prisoner to appeal to Caesar, the emperor of Rome, he's not only in prison, but he's also chained. He's, listen to me, he's chained 
to the soldier, to a soldier for 24 hours, 24 by seven, chained to a soldier. And while Paul's writing about spiritual warfare, you see what I'm saying? He's looking at this soldier that he's chained to. I hope you're getting that in your mind. So this soldier who's fully dressed, this Roman centurion, so he starts comparing every part of this Roman soldier's armor and his weaponry to his topic that he wants to write to the church about, to you and I about, the spiritual warfare and weaponry. And he does this to help us fight the battle, to even the playing fields, to protect us on the battlefield. Things like depression and stress. I don't know if anybody here today is dealing with any of this stuff. How about worry? How about doubts? All these things that get you down. So when we are going through each piece of this armor, I want you to kind of think about what's happening in your life and what you're going through and maybe how it would help. First of all, underneath all the weaponry, the Roman soldier would wear what they call a tunic and it's just kind of like what we would think of like it's like long on long john underwear kind of thing but then the roman centurion would put in put on his belt the first one is his belt and they cinch this belt up really really tight around their waist because it gives them support and stability as a soldier okay it's what holds them together strengthening their core okay And in this case, it also holds his weapons. Paul starts his parallel right here in verse 14. He says, so stand ready with the belt of truth. The belt of truth right around your waist. That's That's exactly what truth gives you in your life is stability and strength. That's true whether you believe it or not. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, the person who builds his life on my truth is like a guy who builds his house on a rock. Let the storm come. I don't care. Let it come. It's going to stand. Now, how does this play out in our lifetime? The first thing is for, for us, the belt of truth, listen to me very closely, is our integrity. Okay? It's the belt that holds everything together. Integrity, what is that? It's when you do the right thing when no one's even looking. You put on your belt of integrity, your, 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 your moral integrity, all right? Uh, your, your relational integrity, your um, financial integrity, your sexual integrity. 
You need integrity in every area of your life. Otherwise, it's not integrity. That's what provides stability. It holds you together in the middle of the battle. He can't play off of it because you got it. The second piece of armor is Paul is looking this soldier over as he's tied and chained to him is he sees this breastplate that would, of course, protect his heart, that, that, that would also cover all of the rest of the vital organs nearby, the lungs and the liver and the kidneys and all that kind of thing. No soldier would go out onto battle without a breastplate. So Paul draws this parallel in verse 14 by saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? Righteousness is purity of heart. Purity of heart. How does this apply apply to our life? Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How many want to see him one day? All right. if you want to be blessed, blessed in your family, blessed in your, in, in, your, in your businesses, blessed in your finances, is your heart pure? That's a question for y'all. You don't have to raise your hand. But is your heart pure is something that you can ask yourself. Is your heart pure? Are your motives pure? How can we help to keep our motives pure? And listen, there, I, there's no way we have time to go through all that today. But there are a couple things that hit us pretty hard in these days. One is this um, um, streaming TV. Um, Netflix, Apple TV, all those things. You know what I'm talking about. Satan, Satan loves to attack you with impure thoughts doesn't he? And we have ample opportunities to watch things with absolutely no filters on them anywhere these days. They show everything. They say everything. They do everything. Listen to me. Your mind is the first thing Satan wants. These days right here, is where Satan, I believe anyway, cuts and stabs you with some of your worst and deepest wounds. But we're, listen to me, we're like that NFL team out there with, with no pads and no helmet on, if you will, uh, playing against a fully prepared enemy. You remember what I said about that? We've either surrendered already or we're stupid. Some of you might say, oh, all oh, oh, that stuff, that doesn't bother me. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I know I used to say it myself. But it's stupidity to think that doesn't affect our heart and our motives. You're making it too easy for the enemy. The next thing, and I'm only talking about one more about this one, and that is another trick that Satan uses um, to, to drive you into impure thoughts is greed, all right? If he can get you wanting more 
Uh, he'll get you to, to cut corners and to cheat people wherever you possibly can just so that it benefits you or your establishment or your organization, all right? <clears throat> he'll try to open the door, listen, to greed through success. And you think, wow, God's really blessing me, man. But it's a test. It's a test. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but it's a test. <clears throat> he'll, he'll open that door of greed through, through praise. Oh, you'll get some praise at the job or, you know, here or there. and you Puff up. You have to guard your heart. The next thing that he sees, Paul sees, is his shoes. And for the soldier, his shoes, then they had cleats on them. Um, Tony, um, if you can just imagine, you're a, a big time runner, but they had cleats on them and would give them footing. It would give them ground and they could stand and they could fight and you know, hold their ground, so to speak. And so in verse 15, Paul says, on your feet wear the shoes of good news, prepared to share the gospel of peace. Without the shoes of peace, Satan just pushes you around. So we need this inner, listen to me, confidence, this inner uh, serenity. Um, but it's not, listen, the serenity and this confidence is not in ourselves. It's in God. That's the important part. <clears throat> if you don't have serenity in your life, if you're anxious and, and if you're worried, you have no footing. You're, you're insecure. Uh, and, and once again, you're, you're, you're vulnerable to the enemy. In Psalms 119, it says, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Another translation says, Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can offend them. The more that I, I, I the more I love this book, uh, the, the less I'm offended. <laughs> I don't care what you say. God says this about me. An inner confidence and security that grows. Peace is one of God's weapons for us. Let's use it. <clears throat> the other thing about peace is it's not just talking about living in peace. It's talking about the second part of this, this message or statement was to speak the gospel of peace. Doesn't it say that? 2 Corinthians 5, 20 through 21 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors. Talking about us. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Most of us want to live in peace, but you don't want to speak peace. 
People are scared to death to talk to others about Jesus, who, by the way, is the Prince of Peace. And this world, guys, if it needs anything, it needs peace. Tell them the good news that he died for them, that he rose again so that they too can have peace with God. The next thing that Paul sees as he's looking at this soldier is that he says you need to put on the shield of faith. Verse 16 says, and at all times carry the shield of faith for with it you will be able to put out all of the burning arrows shot by the evil one. How does this apply to our lives today? It's kind of what he's talking about is a certainty. He's like, um, like a real, a real trust, a real trust. When you really trust somebody, there's a certainty about it. Like you'll do things when you know it's certain. <laughs> and if you think you have any doubts, you ain't doing it. You know what I'm talking about. But when there's certainty, that's what I'm talking about. A real truth and God's promises. Even when, listen to me, even when it seems like everything else is going crazy in your life, you still hold true with a certainty, with a trust in God and in his promises. The Bible says stand. That's the shield of faith that I'm talking about here. But quickly, and I'll move on, God promises God's promises are, are, are true. Everybody say are true. are true. God's promises are true. Whether you, listen to me, whether you believe them or not, they're true. <clears throat> what God said about sex in his word is true, whether you believe it or not. What God said about marriage is true, whether you believe it or not. What God says about money is true, whether you believe it or not. What God says about him being your guide is true, whether you believe it or not. What God says about our salvation and his love for us is true, whether you believe it or not. With the shield of faith, you have this certainty that God's promises are true. In the world today, there's uncertainty everywhere. And we tend to, listen to me, we tend to believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. And listen to me very closely. That's when Satan enters the battlefield. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Next one. Then verse 17, Paul says, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. How many want to put that helmet on? The purpose is pretty obvious here today to protect your mind from evil thoughts and and have that sanity about you. To to win the spiritual battles over discouragement, over depression, Paul says to protect your mind from evil, put on the helmet of salvation. When I put that on, it's not just, listen to me very closely, it's not just a covering like a helmet on a football player. It's, It's like a new mind. Uh, did you, you know what I'm saying there? I don't think you do. 
I ain't talking about no covering here. I'm talking about a new mind. I'm talking about a new mind. My dad used to sing, there's a new man walking in my shoes. And I don't do the things I used to do. And he used to jump around the stage and I can't do it. But man, I'm telling you, that was a pretty cool thing. Because I knew what he was like before. Tony, I knew what his life was before. I knew when he got drunk what he looked at me like. It was nothing like after he got, got a hold of me. He was a new man walking in his shoes. And when he saying, I don't do the things I used to do, he didn't do the things. That wasn't even in my notes, but that was good. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have him in your heart, you don't have protection against Satan's strategies and attempts to destroy you. Not, not even one, you don't have anything without Jesus. Satan's not afraid of your thoughts, but he is afraid of God's. And I want to encourage you today to grab a hold of the helmet of salvation today and put it on. And Paul said in, in his word to put on the whole armor of God so don't forget the sword. Some of us have been coming to church for years and you've heard message after message, scripture after scripture, thought after thought. Lots and lots and lots of teaching. Look at Hebrews 5.12. Though by this time, you ought to be teachers. But you still need somebody to teach you the elementary truths of God's word. You need milk, not solid food. Anybody who lives on milk is still a spiritual baby. But solid food is for the mature who by constantly, listen to me, by constantly practicing, by, by constantly practicing, by constantly practicing, and by constantly practicing, and by constantly practicing, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. But maturity Listen to me, maturity is when you practice the word of God, not just hear the word of God. Another thing about the sword is, notice something here about this particular one that's different than all of the other ones. It's our only offensive weapon. The sword or the shield that's defense. But the sword? Huh. The sword allows us to go after Satan instead of Satan coming after you. Amen. Yes. Mm. He's you, you, you begin with the sword to take territory. You begin with the sword <coughs> expanding. You begin expanding. You begin with the sword right. uh, to enlarge the kingdom. Right. You're saying, uh, I'm, I'm chasing you down, Satan. I, listen, take your hands 
off my wife. Take your hands off my husband. Take your hands off my family. Take your hands off my marriage. Take your hands off my kids. You're not, you're not getting my mind. I'm coming after you. In verse 17, he says, you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did when the enemy came after him. He used the sword. He used the scripture. He used the word of God to come back at Satan. If it's good enough for him, it's the best for us. It's our, listen to me very closely, it's our only offensive weapon. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's time, listen to me, church, it's time to go on the offense. It's time to go on the offense. Shall we stand? Listen close. If you don't know God's word, listen to me very closely. I know you're standing and getting ready to go. If you don't know God's word, it might as well be sitting on a shelf somewhere. Do you hear me? It might as well be on the shelf at home if you don't know it. But if you memorize a good verse, listen to me very closely, and you put it in your mind. Remember, that's where the battle is. And now it becomes a sword. You can wield the sword. Mm. (laughs) Can you imagine the soldier? When the enemy <clears throat> comes at him, he says, oh, oh my gosh, I forgot my sword. <laughs> do you think the soldier would ever do that? No. Yeah. Nah. He ain't going nowhere without a sword. Neither should we. Amen. Neither should we. It's when you take some truth from the Bible and you put it into your mind when all of a sudden it becomes a sword. You'll have the sword in mind and ready to attack the enemy. There was a woman, as we close, who invited a man to come live in her home. And though she wasn't married to him, she still allowed it. And it was more of a really an economical arrangement than anything else. And after a while, her conscience began to bother her about it. And so she knew it wasn't right, and she asked the man to leave, but he refused. I'd like for all you to just bow your heads, close your eyes just for a moment, and just think through what I'm sharing with you. She she asked him to leave, and he, he refused. He said, you invited me in here, I'm not leaving. My clothes are here, all my belongings are here, and I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And she said, I demand you to leave. And he just laughed at her. And he said, you can't make me. You can't put me out. 
So she started pleading with him. But he said, no, I'm not leaving. She was so embarrassed. She was so humiliated and still actually convicted about him living in her home. But she didn't know what to do. <clears throat> so she finally, she went and she talks to a lawyer. And the lawyer got the judge to issue an injunction for the man to leave. He had no legal right and he must move out. And so she went back to him and she gave it to him and said, now I'm asking you to get out. And he began to cry and complain. But she stood her ground, her legal ground, and he left because he knew he had to go. Now I want you to listen carefully. The devil is just like that. He's just like that. There are some of you here today who have given a place to the devil and he has come in and gotten some stronghold on your life, in your heart, in your mind. And you asked him to leave, but he won't leave. You demanded him to leave, but he ain't gone. You beg him to leave, but he won't leave. But I wanna tell you all something here today under the sound of my voice. If you go to the throne of heaven, thank you, Jesus. If you go to the throne of heaven and you go straight to your advocate, his name is Jesus. And you can call on the name of Jesus. Just like the word of God says, and demand it to leave. Guys, I'm telling you, the mind game is over. He said to ask anything in my name. And I would like for all across this building, for every single person here to be calling out the name of Jesus. All across this building, all across this building, you just be calling out the name of Jesus. All across the building. <clears throat> you see, we do have weapons. They're not man-made weapons. They're not carnal weapons. But listen, they're much, much, much more powerful. And they can tear down. They can tear down the strongholds that have got a grip on your life, that have got a grip on your mind, that have got a grip on your heart, and they can tear them down in the name of Jesus all across this building.